Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Bay Curious. I'm Olivia Allen Price. San Francisco is a young city by most standards, but it's still got a sense of its own history. Tourists and locals alike love to wax nostalgic about the city's wild early years. There's something about the city's place in the gold rush narrative that captivates our imaginations and sometimes has us sharing stories that may or may not be true. I just heard a rumor once that streets uh, in south of Market, uh, like the Toma, Clementina, Tehama, were named after prostitutes from the gold rush era. And I wondered if it was true. My name is Ron Hewlett, and I live in uh, Soma in San Francisco. Today on the show, we're answering two of your questions about San Francisco streets. First, we'll explore whether there's truth to the rumor that Ron heard about sex workers, and then we'll turn our eyes down to the sidewalks themselves. There's a lot in a name. Stay with us. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hi there. I'm Randa Dilfetah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. We're kicking off today's show by looking into why some of the alleys in San Francisco's South of Market neighborhood have women's first names. Bay Curious producer Katrina Schwartz went to find out. I meet up with local historian Lisa Ruth Elliott to see these streets for myself. She's the co-director of Shaping San Francisco, a community history project. So here's Clementina. We can go to Tehama. Clementina's little more than an alley, just a few blocks long. Lisa Ruth has heard the sex worker theory many times and believed it herself for a while, but something about it kept nagging at her. If the myth was correct that they're named for ladies of the night, sex workers, madams, then where are, how do we not have the household name of Jessie and what she did or where she came from? If these women were so well known in their time, she wondered, why isn't there any record of them? Who Clara might have been, um, who Jane was, who Clementina would have been, Annie, Linda. She decided to look a little closer. Her investigation started with Annie Street. 
there was a question that a colleague had posed to me, which Annie could this be named for? Was it a daughter of this man, or was it this woman who was a wife of this other man? First off, she thought it was odd that city leaders would name streets after people's first names. It's just not something you see very often, especially back then. So she did what historians do. She started searching for evidence in old documents. She looked up the female street names as search terms in a digital archive of old newspapers from 1849, 50, and 51, when the streets in this area started appearing on maps. And what came up were announcements of ships arriving, being built, sailing, uh, being repaired. Many of the female street names, Clementina, Tehama, Natoma, Minna, matched the names of ships. What was also common in my research among the ship names that matched the street names is that they all came in around the same time. So they were all centered in the time period when shipbuilding was the main industry of South of Market, when it drove industry around that area. Lisa Ruth found newspaper articles proclaiming the arrival of vessels and detailing what they brought to sell in San Francisco. Like this one about the Jesse from the Daily Alta California on March 14, 1851. Starkey Brothers and Company offer for sale the entire cargo of the ship Jesse from Liverpool in lots to suit purchasers. 361 tons best carded coals. 80 crates per Lisa Ruth says back in the early days of the gold rush, San Franciscans depended on ships for everything. So the ships were super important because, you know, this is the way that all of the city's trade came to San Francisco or came out of San Francisco. This is also also the major transportation means. Gold hunters arrived on ships from all over the world, and then they took other boats, like the Tehama, up the Sacramento River to get to the gold fields. So they were well-used vessels and well-known to many of the people who would have been influential in naming the streets. Three facts make Lisa Ruth think she's on to something with this theory. First, South of Market was known for shipbuilding at the time. Second, most of these alleyways would have been right up against the water back then. And third, there's a long tradition of giving boats women's first names. All this has convinced Lisa Ruth that it's likely the streets were named for ships, not sex workers. At this point, we have hard evidence that these were all ships mentioned circulating at the time that the, sh- that the streets were being laid out and engineered. And for me, that is a really strong piece of evidence that that is where their names came from. Lisa Ruth is the first to admit hers is just a theory. But she says at least it's a theory rooted in some documented historical facts. The sex worker theory is the biggest theory of them all because nobody has been able to substantiate it over the entire history of San Francisco. And it's just this thing that people carry on as a truth. I brought this theory back to Ron Hewlett, our Soma-dwelling question asker. Well, that, that makes more sense, really. Okay, on to our second question about San Francisco streets. It comes from Heidi Hegberg, who lives in San Francisco's Knob Hill neighborhood. Walking is her main mode of transportation, and she's noticed something unique on her walks around town. I'm wondering why there are street names stamped into the sidewalks in San Francisco. There are more than 18,000 intersections in San Francisco, and at almost every one of them, you'll see the names of each street etched into the sidewalks where they meet at the corners. It's actually pretty handy. By walking around San Francisco so much, I've just been trained to start looking at the ground. 
um, to find the street signs versus looking above. That sometimes gets her into trouble in other cities, most of which don't stamp their sidewalks. And so I've realized that it's very unique to San Francisco. Katrina, you looked into Heidi's question. What did you find? The answer to Heidi's question goes back to a city ordinance from 1905, explains Rachel Gordon, communications director for San Francisco's Department of Public Works. One of the main reasons San Francisco started to do the street names and stamped in the sidewalk is because we are in earthquake country. But notice the law was passed before the big earthquake and fire of 1906 that leveled much of San Francisco and destroyed many of the city's records. It's almost like the city leaders knew it was coming. We did have major earthquakes in San Francisco before 1906. In fact, from about 1830, 36 to now, there have been five major earthquakes in San Francisco. Back in 1905, San Francisco didn't have street signs on the poles like we do now. Most people navigated the city using buildings for landmarks. Those early San Franciscans figured if the buildings fell down, no one would know where they were. Hence the stamps. It is still part of the city code uh, to stamp the sidewalks. There's really nothing wrong with redundancy, right? So what happens if the internet goes down? What happens if satellites aren't working how we want them to work? So it doesn't hurt to have that. She says city crews are still out there stamping the sidewalks when a street gets renamed or they pour new concrete for some reason. So don't worry, Heidi, those stamps are not going away. That was producer Katrina Schwartz. Both of the stories in today's episode grew out of reporting we first did for our newsletter. Did you know that we answer even more questions there that we don't do on the show? So if you're someone who just can't get enough answers, sign up at baycurious.org slash newsletter. Our show is made by Katrina Schwartz, Brendan Willard, Sebastian Mignobuccelli, and me, Olivia Allen Price. We're a production of member-supported KQED in San Francisco. I'll see you next week. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest, and I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just... What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. 
Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. <laughs>